Foundation special. My name is Soumya Chaturvedi and I am a Senior Research Fellow at India Foundation. I am sure all of you must have read or heard about Afghanistan, Taliban, the peace process and other complex realities of Afghanistan. In order to decode this conundrum, today we have with us Captain Alok Bansal, Director India Foundation. Sir, starting from the very basic question, how do you define the current security scenario of Afghanistan? See, Afghanistan is passing through a very, very difficult phase. Uh, and there is no doubt uh, that uh, we have a situation where Taliban has successfully captured uh, large areas and countryside and is attacking at least three of the provincial capitals. As of now, most of the population centers are still with the government. Uh, but there is a huge pressure on Lashkargah, Kandhar and Herat where fighting is going on uh, outside the city premises, in fact in the outskirts of the cities and on number of occasions uh, both Kandhar airport as well as Herat airport uh, have come under attack and had to be closed temporarily for uh, short periods of time. Uh, this sort of a situation primarily got created uh, because uh, when Americans said that they wanted to quit Afghanistan and they gave a timeline, uh, it created a psychological panic. Because if you have gone through the history of Afghanistan, the regime changes in Afghanistan have not really happened because of military defeat, but primarily because key commanders have crossed over to the side which they perceived was going to emerge as victorious. It happened when Najibullah lost the power because key commanders like General Shah Nawaz Tanai and General Abdul Rashid Dostam crossed over to the sides of Mujahideen and his government fell. And this also happened when Mujahideen fell and Taliban captured power because Taliban managed to win over the loyalties of most of the Mujahideen commanders either by bribing them mm -hmm. or by convincing them that they were in any case going to emerge victorious uh, so they should join them. And this is what exactly happened in this point of time because when the US announced there was a panic and in that panic scenario certain troops which were actually located mm -hmm. on the fringes of Afghanistan actually deserted their posts and some of them in fact crossed over to the neighboring countries. Now what exactly happened is that the Taliban after capturing the country uh, side also realized that this was a window of opportunity. So they put in their best efforts to try and capture as much land as is feasible because they could visualize that there was a sort of a panic and the government was crumbling. And one of the first things what they did was that they tried to capture as many border posts as were possible. Mm -hmm. So you find that Taliban managed to capture Afghanistan's border post with Iran, with Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan and they covered almost all. Uh, barring uh, uh, two major posts with the one is Zaman and one is Torkham, almost all the border posts have been captured by Taliban today. And one of the reasons for this is because the border posts are actually a lucrative source of revenue because the goods mm -hmm. and people moving through them can easily be taxed and that could actually provide uh, substantive wherewithal to the Taliban kitty so that they can launch the offensive and continue with it. So that's been the case and after capturing these border posts I think their focus has been now on capturing some of the provincial capitals so that they can say that some provinces are completely under their control which has not happened but as of now these three provincial capitals are under intense pressure but government forces after the initial mm -hmm. chaos have reorganized and are now giving Taliban 
uh, a befitting reply and in fact they have not only withheld Taliban offensive in certain areas they have managed to repulse Taliban offensive and uh, I am quite confident uh, that security forces can hold on their own mm -hmm. provided uh, Afghan government has provided the economic wherewithal to sustain right. this sort of a force and provide for them. Right. So you spoke about the US withdrawal. Uh, some days back we also saw the foreign minister of China uh, meeting uh, Mullah Baradar. So how do you uh, see or how do you envision all of these events playing out in the neighborhood of Afghanistan? How will it affect the geopolitical realities of the neighborhood and of the global order in large? See, we need to understand that contrary to what the West believe, mm -hmm. Taliban is an ideologically committed output. And uh, irrespective of what they promised in Doha to Ambassador Zalmay Khalilzad, they are not going to abide by it. And whatever we have seen in last month, month and a half, clearly indicates what Taliban's thinking is. The way they have treated people in the areas occupied by them, very clearly says that they are not going to abide by even a singular promise that they made to Ambassador Zalmay Khalilzad or to the US or to the international community. Mm -hmm. Having said that, we also need to understand what is the relationship between Al-Qaeda and Taliban. Uh, the US emphasis has been the Taliban have agreed to dissociate themselves from Al-Qaeda. What many people do not realize is that there are certain theological requirements of jihad. And Al-Qaeda's theological requirements of jihad only get met if they are one with Taliban. In fact, more significantly, we need to understand that all through its existence, Al-Qaeda have always talked of waging a jihad under Amirul Muminin, that is the leader of the righteous, who was earlier Mullah Umar and is now Mullah Akhundzada. They have never said that they want to wage a jihad under the leadership of Osama bin Laden or Ayman al-Jawahari today. So for, because jihad actually requires a righteous leader, it also requires a territory under its control. Now both these requirements get met only with Taliban because in Taliban leadership they have a righteous leader and if Taliban captures power in Kabul, they have an Islamic emirate which they can uh, then use as a base to launch jihad. So the moment Kabul falls to Taliban, uh, you will see that this jihad being exported globally, mm -hmm. initially to the regional countries and then to the global. Now China is hoping that by probably hosting Taliban leadership, uh, they could probably make peace with them uh, because they visualize that there could be problems. But the problem with China is mm -hmm. that seven decades of an atheistic society which has been propounded by the Communist Party of China has led to a situation where CPC hardly understands the pulse and attraction of religion. And consequently their ability to counter religious movements have been actually uh, fairly bad. If you actually see their reaction to all religious movements have been fairly knee-jerk whether it be Falun Gong or Islamists in Xinjiang or even Christian organizations in uh, different parts of country. And uh, now they have been led to believe by Pakistan that by hosting Taliban they can probably come to peace. To my mind, uh, an organization like Taliban, mm -hmm. which is driven by a fierce jihadi out 
ideology is bound to support Islamic militants from different parts of China. So any Islamic organization which is fighting China, be it in Xinjiang or in rest of China, will inevitably get the support of Taliban and this will pit China against Taliban at a future course of time. At the moment, both China and Pakistan feel uh, that they will benefit from uh, this sort of a thing because right. at this point of time, there were a lot of countries in the neighborhood of Afghanistan whose primary objective was to ensure that US pulls out of this. Mm -hmm. Countries like Iran, Russia, China, their primary objective at this point of time was to ensure that the US pulls out. Mm -hmm. But having achieved that objective and once Taliban captures power in Afghanistan, uh, it's going to be a different ball game because Taliban, its orientation, its ideology is going to pose a problem to all these countries. Mm -hmm. And that brings me eventually to India, right, uh, which is going to be severely affected by this capture of power in Taliban. A lot of people in India, we have a lot of uh, analysts who believe we can talk to Taliban, we must reach out to Taliban. Uh, I, sir, sorry to cut you in between. We'll come to India a little later. So taking cue from what you just spoke, uh, how do you think Taliban coming to power will affect the minority? You spoke about the ideological front, but how will it affect the minorities in Afghanistan? See, we have seen how Taliban have dealt with minorities. And here I am not talking only of religious minorities. Mm -hmm. Taliban will deal with any minority which does not view mm -hmm. or which does not conform to their narrow sectarian worldview. So it is not only Hindus, Christians in any case are hardly there, but Hindus and Sikhs who are a, a religious minority in Afghanistan will be treated harshly. Earlier also they were uh, forced to wear yellow clothes and uh, distinctively identify themselves that they were minorities. Uh, but even more significantly, the Shias, the Smileys or even within the Sunni Brotherhood, mm -hmm. the people who do not conform to the narrow Wahhabi or Deobandi outlook which uh, Taliban propounds, are going to be affected. There have been uh, cases where people believing in certain Sufi ideologies which do not conform to Taliban's narrow worldview were targeted and this would happen. So anyone who does not conform to this ideology will be targeted, be it religious minorities, be it ethnic minorities, be it women, be it children or be it uh, uh, people with alternative worldview like LGBT communities or people who do not conform to puritanical extremist ideology of uh, Taliban. Right. So, uh, you spoke about India and I wanted to come to you for that. There's a spectrum, like you said. There are uh, ex experts, political pundits who say that Taliban should be entertained. India should get into a dialogue with them because eventually they will come to power in Afghanistan and Afghanistan is an important neighborhood for India. On the other hand, we have experts who say that Taliban, being a terrorist organization, should not be entertained at all. So where do you place yourself in this spectrum, one? And second, most importantly, how do you think either of these decisions will play out in India? What is the repercussion that India faces if it actually entertains Taliban or engages with them? And what happens if they choose not to? See, firstly, there are a lot of people who talk of engaging with Taliban. Firstly, these people don't understand theology because theology is not a subject that is taught in Indian universities as far as international relations is concerned. But an outfit like Taliban is driven by Islamic theology. If you don't understand Islamic theology, you cannot understand Taliban. So, 
Firstly, you need to understand that an organization like Taliban cannot be transformed, as I said. The secondly, you also need to understand that an Al-Qaeda's jihad get delegitimized if it is actually not linked with Taliban. So having said that, now those people who feel that this is a changed Taliban or Taliban will transform itself are living in fool's paradise. I have no doubt that by talking to Taliban, we provided legitimacy and actually weakened the official government of President Ashraf Ghani. So I think talking to Taliban is actually counterproductive. Irrespective of how much you reach out to Taliban, Taliban is never going to be a friend. Because Taliban's ideology pits you against a secular India. And this fact needs to be appreciated. You can have an engagement with Taliban if it captures power. And that's not a given. Please understand overwhelming majority of Afghans even today oppose Taliban. So you have a larger percentage of population which opposes Taliban. And you should have go for their goodwill. And if government of India keeps supporting the Afghan government and Afghan security forces, I can assure you that Taliban will never be able to capture power in Kabul. We also need to understand who has actually created Taliban. Pakistan has created Taliban. There have been so many creators of Taliban in Pakistan, starting from Maulana Fazlul Haq to Major General Nasrullah Babar, who all claimed the fatherhood of Taliban. Mm -hmm. Now, Taliban has been nurtured by Pakistan. When it was under attack from US, they were... Their leadership was housed. Why is Mullah Baradar moving around? Because he was in Pakistani control for so many years. And now what happens is even when today when Taliban is fighting the Afghan National Security Forces, there are very clear reports that ISI officials as well as Pakistani army officials are advising them, are actually there with Taliban uh, fighters on the front line. So much so that when Spinbolda was attacked and Afghan Air Force wanted to repel the Taliban, Pakistani Air Force came into direct support of Taliban. Now that shows that irrespective of what you do, as far as Taliban is concerned, its orientation will always be Pakistan. More significantly, Taliban propounds a worldview which is contrary to the avowed beliefs of India. Our constitution which talks of secularism, it actually works against it. Taliban has a very, very narrow sectarian worldview, which actually sees it through their perceived understanding of the Islamic theology. Now, so how can uh, Taliban's capturing of power in Afghanistan help us? Please understand, if Afghanistan falls to Taliban, it would export its Islamic ideology across the frontiers. And one of the areas where it will be exported to is India. We also need to understand that the foot soldiers of Taliban who are today fighting the Afghan National Security Force are not going to start plowing the land just because Taliban captures power in Kabul. They would only relocate themselves to another battlefield. And now one of the arena where they are likely to come is actually Kashmir and India. Mm -hmm. So we have to fight the Taliban inevitably. And this fact must be understood. Now it is left to the people whether they want to fight the Taliban in Kabul or they want to fight the Taliban at Waga or in Kashmir. So this decision, the people of this country and the government have to take. And to my mind, it makes far more sense to fight the Taliban in Kabul than to fight them in India's frontiers or inside India. Right. Uh, so just one last question. This might invoke some kind of an academic discussion as well. Uh, some scholars in the West propound that one way of ending terrorism is by political accommodation. 
how the IRA in Ireland was accommodated. Do you think something like that will work for an outfit like Taliban that has associated itself with Al-Qaeda, with ISIS and so many other uh, uh, terrorist organizations? Do you think terrorism can really end by political accommodation? See, Western analysts, especially American analysts, actually try to analyze international relations through the prism of IR theories, which have been manufactured by various academics. Mm -hmm. We need to be very categorical. For a long time, a lot of people felt that terrorism is because of deprivation, marginalization of the Muslim youth. The fact of the matter is that none of the 9-11 perpetrators were from poor families. If you see the number of people internationally who gravitated towards Islamic State, most of them were educated college-going students. Mm -hmm. So it is not deprivation or something. And accommodation, political accommodation of which sort? Taliban's avowed objective is Islamic Emirate. Now how do you have an accommodation with that sort of an entity? It would push all the other entities out and wants to establish an absolute rule. You have a very clearest example of Czechoslovakia after Second World War. When they tried to accommodate the communists in the power structure, the communists pushed all other actors outside and established a totalitarian regime. Now, if you want to accommodate Taliban, the Taliban's accommodation can only be at, uh, to establishment of an Islamic Emirate, where women, children, religious minorities or sectarian minorities have no role. Now, do we want that sort of an Afghanistan? Do we want that peace of the graveyard? That peace which gives you some temporary reprieve but creates a futuristic chaos. Because as I said, mm -hmm. the ultimate objective of Taliban and Al-Qaeda is establishment of global Islamic Emirate. That is the overall final objective of them. They do not believe in any case Islamic Ummah does not believe in geographical frontiers. Mm -hmm. So the geographical frontiers of Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Iran or any other country are immaterial as far as they are concerned ideologically. And this fact must be appreciated. So irrespective of what Taliban might say, their aims and objectives are not going to remain confined to the geographical frontiers of Afghanistan. And this fact must be understood by the global community at the earliest. Thank you so much, sir. With that, we come to the end of this conversation. Thank you so much for your time and your valuable insights. I'm sure the viewers and listeners would have a lot to learn away and take away from this conversation. Uh, your feedback is really important to us. Please do write in the comment section what do you think about this dialogue and what are the other topics you would want us to cover. Do like and share uh, these video channels and the podcasts. Uh, more so, you can always follow India Foundation on our other social media handles to keep updated on our other activities and publications. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you.